the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome to the show. You may have a product, but without sales, you don't have a business. That's why I invited in the co-founder and chief revenue officer for Mind Tickle. Their award-winning platform is to help companies train, coach, and align their sales teams to make reps and their managers more effective. Mohit Garg is the co-founder and chief revenue officer for MindTickle. Thank you so much for being here and helping out. We do have some callers, and if anyone wants to call in, Jeremy, what is the number that they can call in on to ask questions? 800-516-1220. If you have a question for Mohit, we're going to be taking questions from him on how to Onboard the right sales team, how to scale it, and anything that you have about getting your product to market and that go-to-market strategy. So I want to get right to it. I want to get right to this platform and its tangible, actionable approach to helping companies make things happen. You combine online training, bite-sized mobile updates, gamification, coaching, as well as role play to create um, what I think could become an effective sales strategy for any startup. Absolutely, Kim. And first of all, thank you for having me on the show. You are so welcome. Really excited to hear what you have to say and to get those sales tips. Yeah, likewise. And I'm looking forward to those questions and interactions. Uh, So picking on your great introduction, by the way, you you did a great job. Uh, One of the insights based on which we founded the company is the nature of the sales process today, especially in B2B sales transactions, has changed significantly. How so? Uh, it's a much more value-centric purchase. It's less and less, increasingly less and less of a relationship sell. Uh, There used to be this whole notion of information asymmetry, which is if there's an opportunity, then a person who sold to you in your prior life would have access to that opportunity just because they're friends with you. Now, that information asymmetry is going away. The market is a lot more democratic. Information is around. Uh, There's a reason why people don't do RFPs as much because so much information is already available online. Interesting. So for the sellers today, the uh, selling process and for the buyers, the buying process is a lot more scientific. It's about establishing the value equation. Mm -hmm. For my need, is this seller or this product or this company be able to match to my needs and paint a future state of how this product or solution will benefit my business? And this whole process of figuring out how to sell in this new era, uh, while it sounds pretty intuitive, uh, salespeople need a scientific approach to get trained to deliver on that approach. I'm not sure it sounds very intuitive. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but you know that's how we broke it down. And uh, relationship building. Now that's more intuitive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong; it's not like relationship building is not important. But you have to build a strong foundation of value. Mm-hmm. And for a salesperson, now you could look at an early stage career sales professional who's fresh out of school or very limited sales experience. Now they are building the foundation. And organizations today, and, you know, I listened to one of your earlier uh, shows and, uh, you know, there was mention of millennials on how millennials, they demand training. Mm -hmm. They are seeking the enrichment of their careers. And for them, organization is not just a salary pair, but it's a two-way interaction. Mm-hmm. So Mindicle and its concepts are built upon looking at the life cycle of a salesperson. What are their needs in the first three to six months when they're onboarding? And there are specific templates and techniques, uh, structured milestone-based programs where a salesperson, like I said, if I'm an early stage professional, I don't know what good looks like. At 30 mm-hmm. days, do I know what am I supposed to be doing? Am I tracking? Am I not tracking? So there's a lot of value in providing a prescriptive program on onboarding. Uh, It's milestone-based. I have, let's say, 30-day, 60-day, 90-day milestones. Uh, The managers are involved in the process, uh, and it's all driven by technology. So while uh, you do have your in-person boot camp, you fly everybody in, but we're uh, leveraging some of the new concepts and learning, such as flipped classroom, right? If you know about Khan Academy, they are a big proponent of how Beria schools and many other schools, they should provide kids the opportunity to learn before they show up in the class. Right. It's the same thing with MindTickle. They take online learning through videos, documents, quizzes. It's gamified. They have a fun, engaging experience. Uh, The new sales reps spend anywhere between 20 to 100 hours before even they step into a classroom. Wow. And when they step into a classroom, they are very informed and they're full of questions. They're saying, hey, I listened to all these videos. I understand your basic value proposition and what your solution is all about, what your industry is all about. But guess what? I have these questions. And then the nature of the classroom interactions is more discussion-oriented as opposed to a one-way dialogue and, you know, the sales reps don't respond to that very well. So give us an example of how it works. So do you have a particular customer that you can mention and how they went through? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just for more context, uh, we have been working with a number of technology companies. We are a barrier company and uh, we've partnered with many companies which you would recognize right from MuleSoft, Cloudera, AppDynamics, Nutanix. So many of the recent IPOs and exits, uh, many of these companies are the ones we partnered with. And the context is when we partnered with them, they maybe had 50 salespeople or maybe even less than that. And they have grown to 500, 1,000 plus sales rep organizations. Wow, and that's hard to manage and get everyone into a classroom. You want to have people hit the ground running on day one. Exactly. You said it, right? So to your question on how this specifically works is these companies partnered with Mindtickle and we came up with a whole strategy for the life cycle of their salespeople. So what would your onboarding look like if you have a transactional selling quick sale product which sells in two to four weeks? Your onboarding might look like only a three, four week program. Mm -hmm. But if you're a deep solution selling company where your sales reps are carrying millions of dollars of quota, each deal is six figure deals, then you need to invest the time. You may be investing at least three months or six months into the onboarding, then what do those three to six months look like? What are the milestones? And what is the online learning component? What is the role play? What kind of situational scenarios they should be practicing? Uh, Instead of winging in front of a prospect, they should get a safe practice environment. So they do video recording of themselves. There's playback and the managers provide coaching on what they could be doing better. 
So all these different techniques are instrumented in a very systematic way in their onboarding. And post-onboarding, there's an ongoing cadence of reinforcement. So whatever you learned in onboarding, and plus there's new information because competition is changing, new objections surfacing. So there's a whole cadence of how you do bite-sized reinforcement, which mm-hmm. is mobile-friendly. I could be traveling or commuting on the Caltrain, and I could go through these updates in the morning. So this whole systematic approach to what we call creating readiness, how you create ready salespeople to deliver results, it's all systematized and measured through analytics in our platform. How does it expedite their readiness, though? Mm -hmm. Because especially a lot of companies don't have six months before they can send their salesperson out on the floor. Yeah, that's a great question. So when we were designing a product, we did a lot of studies and research, and we found that in a typical company, during the first six months of onboarding, 12% of time is just wait time. <laughs> they're actually waiting to be scheduled for their classroom sessions. They're actually waiting to be flown in because really? everything works like a batch, right? You have a batch this of This is for hires. larger software this, companies. This is for larger much. software companies, gotcha. right? So we looked at this lot of wait time, which obviously technology eliminates. And, and then let's talk about smaller organizations. Uh, they're typically the co-founders or the executives are running the new hire classroom sessions. Right. So now, again, their availability becomes a bottleneck. Even if you're hiring one or two people, uh, it's the co-founder, the CEO has to do those sessions over and over again. And that's not very value adding. What's value adding is what I mentioned earlier, which is meaningful interactive discussions where the sales reps have educated themselves and they're coming in ready with questions and they can have a very interesting dialogue. Could this be in a sense, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a sales, you know, Sales team in a box, sales training in a box for a startup? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, that's where asking the question on what is the right scale for you to invest into technology is a good one, right? So just like we worry about premature scaling, premature processes are also not healthy. So when you're a two-person, five-person company, having the high-touch, I want to speak with every rep, I want to onboard every rep, being high-touch, hands-on is really important. But it gets to a point where you've got like more than a two-digit sales rep in your team, right? That's when you've got to be started taking what you've learned in onboarding those first initial people and making it systematic. So the way we describe our product is we can't help companies who don't have product market fit because then what what good looks like is constantly changing. So that's the wrong time. Plus, when you have a couple of people, it's not the right time. But once you get to 10 and above, maybe 20 and above, it becomes really critical. Perfect. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on Innovation, we will have your questions for Mohit. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Mohit Garg. He is the co-founder and chief revenue officer of Mind Tickle. It's an amazing award-winning platform that is designed to help companies train, coach, align, and align their sales teams to make reps and their managers more effective. Thank you again for, for being here. The lines are already filled up. I can see them right now. So are you ready to take some calls from some startups? Absolutely. Um, first off, I think we have Caitlin on the line. Caitlin with cshop.io. Caitlin, welcome. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. Tell us about your company. What is your company? So we make accessories out of recycled and eco-friendly fish leather. Oh, I I love that. And so where are you at in the business? We are at the point where we've got an e-shop, but now we've got to do like our marketing and sales strategy. Okay. And so have you even started that at all? Uh, A little bit here and there, but not. uh, We haven't done it full-blown just yet. We're still putting that together 
in terms of, you know, public relations and publications we'd like to be in, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I can follow up with you later on some tips for public relations, but meantime, we do have Mohit right here. What is your question for Mohit in terms of sales? Um, what's your, like, the most important tip in terms of uh, marketing messaging? Um, Caitlin, question for you. Who do you sell to? What's your target persona? Our target people are uh, millennials, uh, specifically millennials that have um, concerns for the environment uh, and who also want to get the best value and um, out of the things that they purchase. Mm-hmm. And uh, is this something they would... Uh, purchase one time or on an ongoing basis? What's your model like? So initially it would be one purchase, but we definitely want to offer shoes um, and things like that in the future. Um, But we've just started off with with one main uh, product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, while uh, I would love to learn more about your business, but based on what I've heard, uh, for your business, uh, the marketing is going to be equally important. It's not just a sales-driven push business because uh, you you have a great idea, great concept. Uh, generally, when you're selling to millennials and individuals, uh, appealing to their own value system, what they really value and believe in is really important. So you mm-hmm. said the right things, which is have a message which speaks to those people, right? Go back to when you started the business. What motivated you as an individual? Why were you excited about the business? And you'll soon find that people will relate with it the early people who relate to the message as you know the early adopters they're going you got to turn them into fans you got to get word of mouth you got to get the message out there and don't push sales don't uh, do things unnaturally you have to stage mm-hmm. your business along the adoption curve and mm-hmm. that formula still applies so while i don't have a silver bullet for you i would say uh have your message, have your target audience, be true to that target audience and uh, make sure you're not losing sight of it even though you know you may find sales is not growing fast as you want initially. That positive mm-hmm. word of mouth is really, really important for your business. And I have, okay. I have uh, one tip for you. Um, there's a woman by the name of Susie Mai. She's a, a world-class kiteboarder and she has events with very um, high-end uh, technology entre- entrepreneurs and, and, and more. And one of her causes is, is the ocean. And she works very closely with Ocean Elders and Sir Richard Branson. So she would be fantastic. Susie at SusieMai.com. And it's S-U-S-I, Susie at SusieMai.com. She has upcoming events. And I would talk to her about maybe putting some stuff in some swag bags at her events. There are a couple yeah. coming up. There's one in particular that's on Necker Island. That's coming up. That's Richard Branson's private island. She also has one later this summer, the Cabarete Kite Festival. Great market for you. So I think that would be perfect. So we can follow up if you have more questions via email. Thank you so much and good luck to you. Thank you, Caitlin. Good luck. Bye. Next up, we have Professor uh, Skandura. Do we have the professor? Uh, Yes. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic. So you are the director of research for Tutor IT Web. TutorItWeb.com. Got it. So what exactly is that? Well, <laughs> we're kind of unusual. So give us the give us the 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 you know in a box version. Yeah the the essence of it is that we're modeling uh, the human tutoring process. 
and we have a unique technology. We have patents on it uh, that's based on years of research, actually. So we're quite unlike most startups. We have a tremendous amount of technology, uh, and I would say that we've gone this far mainly because of my own academic background. However, we are at a point now where we are ready to uh, commercialize the technology. We do not think that we're probably best suited, at least certainly not with me in control, best suited for uh, taking the approach of a startup, namely marketing this, uh, our technologies to the end user and that sort of thing. Just about hiring the right people and asking Mohit for some suggestions. What's your your question for him? Well, even more than hiring best people, we're looking for connections with companies who have an established market in tutoring, in the tutoring industry, in the education industry, and or in the training industry. Uh, we have a technology that would apply to any, any and all of those. We have many tutorials that are already built. We have authoring platforms that make it very cost-effective to create new tutorials. So we're in a kind of a un- interesting but also very unique place in, in the sense that uh, we have so, a lot of technology. So we what's your question for him? Because you're cutting into his time to help you out with something. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, how do we get to uh, those companies? Yep. Professor Joseph, uh, your technology and company sounds very exciting. I am uh, familiar with the space because, broadly speaking, Mindtickle is also in the business of making salespeople learn and be better. Uh, so I clearly understand adaptive learning could have tremendous benefit. Um, what I would recommend is, uh, because I'm personally familiar with more than 700 companies in the broad learning space, it is a very crowded space. Yes, uh, it is. You, you have to identify companies that have lost their edge in terms of innovation. So companies who may have garnered a lot of users and market share, but they've not been innovating. And these companies have a complementary offering to you. You have the latest technology. You have the ability to drive learning outcomes. And uh, these companies may have the user base, which has stuck on with them, and they may be at risk of churn. So those are the companies I would recommend going after and having a complementary offering. The challenge for you, I'll be very honest with you as a young company, when you go for partnerships, established companies do not take you seriously. That does happen. So what you need is leverage. You need to go to companies who actually need you. And you do your research, you go in there with confidence saying, I've looked at your numbers, your users are uh, fleeing away, you are losing market share, and you need my technology. But I need it with an equitable arrangement, drive accountability. So I can't give you names of specific companies because, like I said, it's a huge list of 700. Offline, I can even send you a link where those 700 are listed. But it's having a conversation about driving accountability, We need you to commit these resources. If they are featured on the website, like you mentioned, then is it being featured prominently? Are they promoting your offering? Are they including it in the product? Drive very hard accountability and do not think that you're an early company, so they shouldn't give you the equal importance. Drive a fair relationship and drive accountability to your partners. And it can be done. We did the same in our early days. And those we, we parted from partners who wouldn't give us a fair share of the value we were driving. And next up, thank you so much, Professor. We can follow up via email. We have Grant. We have one minute, so this has got to be quick, Grant. I apologize, and we can follow up later. What's your question for Mohit so he can give you the quick 30-second answer for you? Yeah, of course. And just a quick background. So we are a software company that allows mobile apps to deliver smarter notifications to app users. 
using contextual triggers in machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, my question for you is, you know, what's your advice for uh, nurturing and then converting more of our tire kickers? We feel like we have a long sales cycle and we're trying to convert more of these guys that are, you know, unsure if they're if this is the right time. Yeah. So cool. Uh, cool, Grant. Uh, quick three suggestions. One, uh, do the profiling which are your profiles that tend to buy faster and prioritize them in the sales queue. So you can actually find patterns, established patterns on uh, nature of your prospects. So that's number one, profiling. Second, qualification. In your sales conversations, identify which questions will tell you about their purchase intent versus they're just looking and you may want to deprioritize them. And third, once they get into a sales discussion, ask for commitment and skin in the game. Make them pay for your trials. Thank you so much, Mohit, for joining us. If they want to find out more, where can they go? Yeah, I'd love to hear from the listeners. Uh, my email is mg, my initials, uh, mg at mindtickle.com or connect me up at Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your expertise. Coming up next, a new social video platform that delivers a curated stream of short form videos personalized to the viewer's taste. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have a new social video platform that just is literally taking the world by storm. I'm so excited about it. I've been looking for an alternative to YouTube and Vimeo, and I use both those platforms, but there's so much noise out there. I just don't know how to stand out anymore. And here's a brand new platform called Rio, and it's developed by Alan Canestrero. He's co-founder and CEO um, of this company. He's here with us now to tell us all about it. This is perfect timing for for coming into the market. Thank you. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm like, I want to jump right into this. I'm so excited. A friend of ours, a mutual friend, Lars Rasmussen, who's also an investor, he's one of the co-creators of Google Maps, and he's gone on to do some other amazing things. He was the lead engineer at Facebook and just an amazing person. And when he says, this is a company to talk to, of course, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Lars is awesome. But thank you. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, to tell you a little, a little bit about it, so... The idea here is, um, you know, I've been working in video and technology and interaction for the last 20 years, and um, I think what's happened is there's been such an amazing explosion of content creation over the last, you know, 10 years specifically, um, and that's been fantastic, but it's led to this kind of paradox of choice. There's so much stuff out there. Mm -hmm. We don't know where to go. We don't yep. know what to look for. You know, and the, there's so much noise. Um, you know, this is obviously it's bubbled up so much great stuff. But how do we how do we find it all? How do we how do we you know, is there a trusted place we can go to get it all in one place? And that was the uh, that was a starting point is let's get rid of that anxiety and let's let's make a place that is consistently high quality video. Um, and uh, that's what we've done. So we've curated uh, the best stuff we can find and we personalize it. Uh, based on who you are and your tastes and time of day. So if you're the kind of person that likes, you like news in the morning and you like comedy in the evening and you like music on the weekends, then Rio is that. It's news in the mornings and comedy at night. Uh, and that could be different for different people. Um, and that's another thing that we've done is we've tried to take away as many of the, the decisions um, for, for when you don't know what you want. We've really gone after moods. We call them moods, which is basically, do you want to laugh? Do you want to learn? Do you want to be informed? Do you want to chill? Um, there's only about seven of them because I think, you know, that's kind of the magic number for, for picking how you feel, what you want. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And so where are you pulling from and how do you, how do you actually present it? 
Yeah, so we've uh, we've been making deals with a number of different brands. Um, the ones that we've announced so far, so Refinery29, uh, Vimeo, mm. Britain Co., uh, we're distributing their stuff. We've got more in the works that I can't talk about just yet. Um, and then besides that, you know, there's, um, you know, we're using APIs um, basically from a number of the different providers that make the stuff available, um, and we're, we're playing those. So, the, um, you know, that gets us access to a ton of stuff. We're doing everything above board. We want to make sure that everybody gets their, their credit and their due. Um, but the goal really is to uh, bring it all in-house, bring it all into Rio, uh, and make this singular experience. And, but you allow people to also upload on there as well. So what we've done is we've or taken a different tack. Yeah, so, so we think in terms of we're keeping the, the core content uh, very uh, focused on the produced stuff, but we want people to be the ones who share it and comment on it and react to it. Um, so um, what we've done is when you see a video in Rio, you can actually, you can, you know, kind of be the VJ on it. You can share it out to people, make a comment about it, tell, tell people why it's important, what you like, and then you show up along with that content in your audience's streams. Uh, and that could be on TV, on the web, on phone, um, all of these places. So Netflix, didn't they start out kind of curating and bringing in, you know, the, you know, when it came to online, you know, the best of the best and kind of having it available to you and... Then they went into developing their own content. Is that the That's direction right. I think that possibly you could be going as well once you gain that audience and you get the trust and then you start developing your own key content based on all of the data that you collect? Yeah, I won't take it off the table. Certainly, you know, <laughs> understanding, yeah, understanding how people are, are using, how, what people are watching and, and their taste is an important part of this. Um, but I will say this is that there's already a ton of amazing content out there. I yes. think. Uh, you know, my focus right now, I don't think we need to add more content to the world. We just need to organize it and make it easy for people to, to experience. Oh, I totally agree. And, I mean, I think that you could be definitely um, – I think Netflix could be a great suitor for you. <laughs> I do love what they've been doing. So, but yeah. <laughs> we won't take that one off the table either. There, hey, there's always, uh, there's always a number. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, so you know, we launched uh, we launched about a week ago, um, off to a great start so far. Um, but really, you know, at this point, it's um, we want to make sure that we got the right experience for people, and so we're we're focusing on that, and um, and then everything else comes later. And in in terms of um, the content, are you working with individuals as well to do the content, or are you working with the bigger names? You're just going out there and searching, or are you encouraging people to submit? Well, we are. We're, we're working with uh, a number of influencers and, and curators that mm. we've brought in house or that we've uh, been been kind of contracting with. That have the um, best job in the world to sit there and watch videos. Yeah, I mean, there's so <laughs> many tastemakers in the world. You know, my background. I, I've been uh, not so much these days, but but I've been DJing for about twenty twenty five years. Wow! Um, so you know how I to really curate like, music and content. Well, used to, used to. I used to, you know, when it came to name that tune, I was the fastest of anybody. But um, faster than Shazam. I think so. I think there's a isn't there a game show? There's a show. I think you need to be a contestant. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I mean, you know, I think this is it. There's a lot of creators out there. There's um, a lot of consumers out there. But but the kind of sweet spot is there's um, a lot of tastemakers, a lot of curators, a lot of people mm-hmm. who know, um, you know, they're on the pulse, they know it's good. Um, they may not want to create their own content, but they're the, um, you know, again, the VJs, the DJs, or the, 
tastemakers of this generation, and we want to give them a place to uh, to highlight what they love. So, is there any particular style that really resonates with the, especially the millennial generation, which is the strategic target market for a lot of online video? Well, I'll tell you where we've seen success. So, um, comedy is almost universal. Yes, uh, we've seen. You know, we're we're carpool playing, karaoke. Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, favorite. we've got some of that. We've got, um, you know, great content from Above Average. We've got stuff from, uh, you know, all the late night shows that we're pulling in off of APIs. And and, uh, and people love that stuff. And mm-hmm. it's great. You know, it's, it's super universally appealing. Um, but when we when people start to go deeper, um, we've seen a few niches where people just spend hours and hours a day, um, you know, watching Rio. And that's um Chill, one of our channels, is all kind of down-tempo background music videos. Mm. Uh, And the idea is, you know, you're entertaining people or you're working or whatever you're doing, you just want something on in the background. Um, Chill has been very uh, appealing for those folks. Do you have a little Um, Abraham Hicks? That is, I spend hours and hours with those YouTube videos just because I love, you know, the reminder to think positively. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to go dig that up right now. Um, <laughs> but but I'll tell you, another niche is learn. Like, we've got one that's all just, you know, these three to five minutes, super educational, visually stunning videos from, you know, Great Big Story or The Economist or any of these guys. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's these short little documentaries. They teach you some concept that maybe you've heard about, maybe you don't know, um, you know, the, the depth. Um, kind of the, what, what stuff you should know was doing on podcast a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much good stuff, but anyway. And Forbes also has an amazing series. Have you contacted them about taking some of their stuff? They have uh, some no, great editors down. and producers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to work for them. <laughs> I used, I used to run their video network on the, on the West Coast, help them to build their network. And they really have some creative um, ideas. I mean, they've taken their written content and all the series, you know, like the – um, you know, the world's billionaires or the 30 under 30 and they have all that yeah. content and they do it in a really, really great way behind the scenes of shoots with billionaires or entertainers uh, or whatever. And it's done in, in short form and it's really, really good. That Kim, you got to hook me up. I will. Oh, I'll totally make the introduction. I think that'd be fantastic. And if they haven't done all, a story on you already, I'll also look for that. <laughs> I'll take that <laughs> Which is exciting. So what is your go-to-market strategy over the next year? Because that's critical. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we're focused on really growing audience and um, and finding our uh, kind of finding our hardcore users. You know, we're locking in the, the demographic in our you know first week that we're seeing is really resonating. This is, um, you know, kind of upper millennial, 25 to 35, oh, um, disposable income, many married. Um, really people looking for people that don't people that are that find their time very valuable and are looking for um, you know high value in the media that they they find and so we you know I'm really happy that we nailed that that's what we've been hoping to get and so now we've got to um, you know find the find the places that they're they're already going for this stuff and and um, show them the benefits of the product and if people want to find out more they can download the Rio app R-H-E-O Is that right? Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alan, for joining us. Coming up next on Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Hey, storytelling is key, and we'll tell you how to do it right next.
Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. Storytelling is king and the Narrative Summit, the third event produced by the Digital Narrative Alliance or DNA to explore the use of storytelling as a business and social tool is coming up and we have Mitch La- Matt, sorry, my former boss and he's going to kill me. We have Mitch Radcliffe. He is the managing director of DNA on the phone with us right now. Tell us about this conference. Hey, thanks, Kim. This is a, a day full of uh, workshops and really interesting speakers and uh, talking about how to use story to shape the future of a business, the future of an organization, and we think even the future of society. Uh, got speakers talking about how to use dreams to find common information and, and uh, foundations for shared uh, narratives with people. We've got the uh, recently named uh, president of Fox Next Games, uh, Aaron Loeb, who wow. just got the job earlier this week. He's going to be keynoting the day, and his story is going to be about uh, – he's both a, a, a playwright and a, a game developer, and his story is going to be about courage in storytelling and the ability to – no, you're going to write a story that's going to change, that it's something that your audience is going to share with you and make their own. So how can a business apply narrative strategies to speed time to market? Well, you know, one of the things we've done is wait for our product to be ready, our ideas to be fully baked and put them out in the market. But now that we've got the ability to model and look ahead in terms of you know, all the data insight we have today, we can also ask our customers about what they think they're going to want from us and, and even negotiate to build a, a shared narrative again, a story about what is valuable and why it's valuable. So essentially what we're talking about is the future of product or service co-design by using stories to elicit from your audience the kind of feedback that you're really going to be able to make a product or service that taps into their most important passions. How can a business or any organization share its values with the market with really that authentic and honest candor? That's key. What? Yes. And, uh, you know, Pepsi learned that with uh, the Kendall Jenner uh, Black Lives Matter ad, right? Uh, The the, the whole point there was the narrative that they said that celebrities cure all social problems didn't resonate with anybody. In fact, it was hollow and they got eaten alive for it. But companies can be honest and and they need to be, uh, especially in an era when millennials in particular and Generation Z coming up behind them care so much about expressing their values through their spending. So we think that, you know, being honest, going out with stories that uh, uh, acknowledge that it is not necessarily the case that everybody's going to want this, that everybody's going to value what the business does, but uh, not to go out fighting the people who don't want it, but recognizing that those are the people who are going to say no to you and that you are going to say no with your story to them. We're we're a society full of diversity. So a company needs to decide where it's going to stand be honest about it, tell its story, and take the feedback and integrate it into the response that they bring back to market once they've heard that feedback. Now, aside from Pepsi, what are some examples of poor narrative strategy? And are stories really that important? Well, uh, like a examples question. of poor narrative strategy right now, I look at the just the state of political discourse in the United States. There's a there's a, a difference in narratives across the country. Uh, there's a role in an urban narrative. There's a future-oriented and a tradition and past-oriented narrative. And a lot of those just create barriers to considering all the other variables that are actually up for debate. Mm-hmm. So we shut down a lot of our communication. But you can see this in advertising, too. Another recent one, like the Pepsi ad, was uh, the Shea Butter ad. Uh, it's a, a hair treat- treatment. And they... Uh, have traditionally sold to black women, mm-hmm. but they did a, a, a version of an ad that started with a black woman and went to a blonde who had no apparent use for shea butter, uh, 
And they were criticized for that. But they said, you know, we screwed up. They used a much more colorful word than that. But they actually mm-hmm. just acknowledged they screwed up. And that's where a bad narrative can be turned into a good thing. And so, you know, in terms of stories, I have so many people that don't understand. They still do traditional commercials and traditional advertising. And they don't understand that storytelling is critical to community development and mm-hmm. customer retention. Well, and, and that's because most people think that advertising and marketing is talking at people. Right. That you're trying to broadcast rather than you're trying to uh, engage and converse with. And that's a really hard uh, habit to break. It may be something that just a whole generation of marketers are going to have to retire and move on. But I believe a lot of people have this skill within them already. They do. Uh, they to do. talk and listen. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as you know from our uh, collaboration in the past on, on doing the news, when you give people a lot of information about a topic that they care about, they'll listen to it mm-hmm. and they'll give you great feedback. What do, what do you think the catalyst is to help these antiquated marketing folks get it? Well, I would look at the uh, uh, the composition of the S&P 500, which turns up over about once every two, one and a half decades. And if your company is on that list now, you should be worried about whether you're going to be on that list in 10 years. If your company isn't on that list, you should be thinking about how to get on that list. And that's the motivation for building a – think about it like uh, not going out simply to start a business, but to build a coalition. Like Mm -hmm. you're a diplomat. You're going to bring together a community who recognizes your values are shared with them, and you're going to create an urgency on their part to keep you in business so that you're there to help them achieve those values. And I think when marketers start to understand that there's so much give and take, that there's this opportunity to listen and hone in on the stuff that's really important to people, that they, they're going to find this works, and then they're going to stop doing some of the old things, uh, not talk at, but talk with people. The greatest resistance I find in terms of uh, storytelling is actually in the B2B space. So mm-hmm. they don't think that they need to storytell. They just think they need to find the pain point and that's it. And what I tell them is that it's not just about your customers. It's about your customers' customers. So you really do need to create that story. Absolutely. And supply chains are really complex and they're becoming more transparent. And as they do, customers are also going to be looking at up and down the supply chain to see whether or not they agree with the way you do things. What if you uh, happen to have your uh, shoes made by slave labor in China, for instance? That's something that a, comp- that a customer mm. will be able to object to and say, look, until you change that, I'm done. Yep. And that kind of interaction, uh, that transparency, which is also the, the product of the spread of logistics systems, the spread of uh, data sensors, and the ability to analyze all that data, is going to become increasingly clear to the consumer because it will be part of the set of services that new innovators, new entrepreneurs bring to market in the media. So if people want to learn more, the conference, Stories That Change, is June 20th at UCSF's Mission Bay Conference Center. Where can they go for tickets, Mitch, really quick? NerdAlliance.com. Thank you so much, Mitch, my mentor, my favorite boss of all time. Thank you so much, and good luck to you. Have a great weekend, everyone. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook, forward slash Kim McNicholas, or email kimmcnicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.